Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadden coming to you live from North Carolina, and today is a very blessed day. Today we want to focus on some very positive things happening uh, in this country, as well as some prayer points and things we want to continue to battle for as we have entered into this season of shifting our mindsets for the coming season. And today we want to talk about and, and follow along what we were going through in scripture in Deuteronomy 1. Of, of there's a, a point in time for a shift and, and it's long enough time that we've gone around the same mountain. And today we want to focus on taking on our next assignment as the Lord has, whether it be something we haven't done yet or there's a new assignment that we have. Because each of us are all in our own individual walk, so we want to um, understand that. But we continue and we stay in Deuteronomy 1. I'm going to focus on Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 1, 6 through 8, where the Lord says it to Moses, He says, Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. And we dealt kind of with this yesterday. Turn and set your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Areva, in the hill country and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and the and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to tell to them and their descendants after them. And we see here through this a, a more kind of particular. Then yesterday, yesterday was kind of a rounded out of, hey, look, it's time to shift from continuing to go around this mountain in the wilderness. And here we see this appointed time that, that it's time for us to do, again, remind ourselves of what the Lord has promised us. And, and the prayer point for this, and more so a declaration for us, is that there is a time to take your next assignment. And, and that time is now. So um, Chuck says, he's, it's time to take on your next war. And that the Lord has called you to battle for. And if you haven't listened to it, I, I would suggest going back and listening to Tim Sheets' sermon from this past Sunday. I unintentionally was listening to it while doing some work after having watched another service. And he was talking about how the fathers of the faith, Paul, prophets of the Old Testament, everybody, they would love to be at this point in our lives where we are now. And and reality is, you know, sometimes there are some people who, and maybe we've all gotten caught up in this at times, where we think, well, I wish I would have been born at this time because I knew how to handle it, blah, 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 et cetera. But the reality is, is God put us here for a time such as this, for this time in this season, because whatever's inside of us, whatever's inside of you, is needed for this hour. And it's time 
for those people to take on that next war, for us to individually take on that next assignment that the Lord has for us, whether it be simply just for our own families, whether it be for something more, uh, whatever the case may be, is there's an assignment that the Lord has for us in this season to deal with whatever he's giving us the authority and the power to deal with and to grow so that we can deal in power and authority to be able to deal with more things that he will place before us in the future. And that's that glory to glory, strength to strength, new wineskin, how, however you put it. And the reality is, is in the past, there have been those, for whatever reason, just haven't stepped up to the plate. They let you know the fears of the world, the worries of the world, get them down. And, and we're all guilty of that at times. But let's repent. Let's understand the realities uh, uh, of the assignment the Lord has for us and stay focused. And in that place with the Holy Spirit and in that place with the Lord where we put a ca all the casts of the world, cares of the world inside, and focus on what he's called us to do and step out into that next assignment and, and take on and battle for the Lord, with the Lord, for the purposes that he has written about us before we were even in our mother's womb. And with that focus, let's understand that as we come up on these midterms, as we we come up on the turn of the new Hebrew year is, is that's that mindset focus of, okay, we've, we've left that season that we're in. Now we're going into a new one spiritually uh, within the Hebrew calendar. And then right after it, our Gregorian calendar of a new year of how things have been shifting. They're changing. Um, and rather than sitting here hoping and waiting for the past, you know, the getting back to the old normal, you have some people didn't talk about a new normal, whatever the case may be is, is things are changing. Um, whether we, we are in line with that or not, and rather be in line and lockstep with the Lord and what he's saying is the changes are, rather than sitting back, being apathetic, and not standing for his will. Okay, with that, I'm going to dive into the news, and I want to start with statements from the new prime minister, Liz Trust, out of uh, Britain. And there were some things she said yesterday that were, were very interesting. She made statements about how they're going to go drill in the North Sea. They're going to add on production of new nuclear power plants to boost the domestic energy that they need in their country in order to combat the lack of energy that they have. And I, I point this out because... For first of all, this is good to see from a world leader saying, hey, this is here's the problem. We don't have any energy. We're getting it from Russia. So we have the capability and the ability and the resources to be able to go pull it out of the ground, and we're going to go do that. Good for her as well as nuclear energy to deal with um, the crisis that they have. Now, also, on another note is these are more of – prophetic declarations, if you want to put it that way. This is just a, a way to think about this. Is she's being a prophet saying, hey, here's what we're going to do, more so making declarations, being an administrator, saying, here's what we're going to do. Now, she has to follow through with that because there are a lot of things that she said that Boris Johnson said he was going to do and he didn't do. Um, so hopefully um, she can get this done because there are, with, part of the problem in Britain is you, you're going to have people who resist you. We talked about it, how whenever you go to a new wineskin, say in the spirit or in anything, you're a pioneer, you're pushing forward to get things done in a new way. 
because that's how things need to be or just simply doing things that is resistant towards the old way or the new way whatever the case may be in this case those who want the green new deal and all that stuff are resisting this so she's going to have an uphill battle here um, and hopefully she can fight through this opposition to get that done for the betterment of their own individual country because as they're coming out of this economic crisis that boris johnson put them in of stimulus packages and, and everybody within the uk government put them in they need a way to number one balance the budget but get themselves out of debt and, and provide uh, heat for themselves in this coming winter and in the coming months uh, despite that now at the same time you see this want to kind of put a caveat of what our administration is doing is you have janet yellen who today is going to Detroit, Michigan, to talk to Ford about their Ford electric vehicle um, move with the new uh, Ford F-150 Lightning truck and a host of other initiatives, really promoting this push towards electric vehicles being, being funded by you and I, the taxpayer, against our will. And so just a different dynamic here of what's really going on. Obviously, what the president's doing and um, the energy secretary of doing of pushing this is uh, I, I point those two dynamics of you have a leader who sees a problem in the UK and says, hey, um, here's our way out of this because the way that we're going is unproven and more so problematic in this time and season because of the logistics of everything. And then you have a leader who's just blindly going, yes, we're doing this because that's what this administration wants. That's what I'm hired for, et cetera, stuff like that. And possibly, she may believe this stuff. I, I honestly don't know Janet Yellen well enough um, to know that, but it's this is what they're standing for. So something to pay attention to, be aware of uh, in the days ahead. Now, there was a new article out of the Wall Street Journal about the Iran dynamic involving the JC, the new JCPOA Iran nuclear deal, where some more findings have come out about Iran's past interactions and current interactions with uranium and their activity on enriching uranium and their interactions with equipment from the IAEA. Again, this is very problematic to see from a country that is begging to get out of this, get back into this Iran nuclear deal to remove the sanctions, um, but then also saying, yes, we'll adhere to your surveillance and more so we'll, we'll adhere to the compliance that you're asking us to do uh, if you do what we want as well, which is a caveat. But in the Wall Street Journal, they talked about how Iran has enough 60% uranium to currently make at least one nuclear weapon um, where they have its total stockpile of rich, enriched uranium has grown to 3,941 kilograms, which they say is enough for one nuclear weapon, unfortunately, current, currently. So if they put it all together, they use it for what they melted down to how it can be used. It can be... Um, used as weapons-grade fuel to be able to make a um, one nuclear weapon as of now. But now they have that capability, so what's going to happen when they get more resources, more money to do more things like that? That is the concern. But that's not the scariest thing in this report. 
they go on to say that they continue to go on the line, obviously Iran does, that its nuclear program is entirely for civilian purposes um, and that it has never sought to work on nuclear weapons. Yeah, okay, sure. This is the concern, the most concerning part in this. It says, in recent weeks, the IAEA, the investigation arm of the European Union of this deal, International Atomic Agency, is saying and reporting that a sharp increase in the number of advanced centrifuges Tehran has installed and fed with uranium at its main nuclear facility. So they're seeing, they're reporting of a sharp increase, which Israel has reported that for quite some time. Israel's pretty much ahead of this. And then they go on to say this. This is the alarming part right here. I want to point this out. They said, Iran has also removed IAEA cameras that were overseeing the production of centrifuges. So Iran's inventory of the machines is unknown. The agency warned in its report that Tehran's removal of the cameras, which came after Iran was rebuked by the IAEA board of members, states in early June will pose a considerable chal considerable challenges in specifying how many machines Iran has should the nuclear deal be restored. The agency also said Iran's actions has detrimental implications for its ability to assure members of the peaceful nature of Iran's nuclear program. The issue with this is that Iran said in the original deal that I, I, the IEA can put up these cameras and obviously they can say, well, the U.S. broke the deal, so therefore the cameras weren't needed. In good faith, if you're not doing anything nefarious, you shouldn't have removed those cameras. If it's civilians, leave them there. There's nothing, you're doing nothing wrong. They know better than anybody else. They're, there's some things going on that they don't want to be seen. Why would you not want something to be seen? What are you doing that's wrong? Especially as you're, you've already made this deal, and they benefited from it financially. And this is why they want to get out of this deal so that they can benefit it. They want to get back into this deal so they can remove the sanctions, benefit it from it financially. We've gone through this before. But this is detri extremely detrimental to understanding and even going back to the invest another investigation of where is all this enriched uranium reports coming from? Where are your centrifuges? Where is everything going? They're producing all this stuff more and more and more. The question is, what is going on? Nobody knows. And if you get back into this deal, will we ever know? Obviously, these reports from Israel and other IEA components are showing that they're moving forward and skyrocketing past the original deal. And you're saying they're going to go back on that. And meanwhile, they get to lock these things up, uh, these this equipment up wherever they want to, supposedly under IEA seal. But again, if you don't know the full capacity and the full number of how many there are actually centrifuges there actually are, how can you trust them? It's a bad, again, continued bad faith negotiation. And the reason we want to point this out is they're still under negotiation for this new Iran nuclear deal. And we want to continue to be aware of the findings on around this issue, be sober and aware of the realities of what's going on, and pray for the Biden administration's negotiation team, military leaders, everybody involved to have the fear of the Lord and make the best decision for this deal. Hopefully that they don't get back into this deal. That's, I mean, pray for crop failure on this, this issue. 
Um, there's a lot of countries involved. This would be very, very disastrous as it would give more power to Russia and, and China. Very problematic that we've seen prophetically, giving more power to China in the days ahead. So something we want to be fully aware of and stand on as well. Now, domestically, I want to point this out, is President Joe Biden put out a letter saying that he wants to continue on with the national emergency with respect to the foreign interference and undermining public confidence in the United States elections. And the reason I want to point this out is because there's some key things in here that are quite, a, quite interesting to understand and see him say, but then also um, see what's hap understand what's happening, what the administration is focusing on. So the president wrote a letter yesterday for public release. This is from the White House's website itself. Let me blow it up. And he said, this is President, supposedly President Joe Biden writing it. Obviously, his lawyers and his team wrote it. But it said, on September 12th, 2018, by executive order um, 13848, the president declared a national emergency pursuant to the International um, Emergency Economic Powers Act to deal with the unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States constituted by the threat of foreign interference in or undermining public confidence. So first, the reason I highlight that in that date, September 12th, is because who was president at that time? Yes, we all know President Donald J. Trump. Okay, understand this. Now, hit this line. You'll love this one. It says, although there has been no evidence of foreign altering foreign power altering the outcomes of vote tabulation in the United States elections, foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open public political system. Meaning here, the Russiagate, all that stuff just blew it right out the water. The president of the United States just just really just exposed the lie that was the Russia whatever hoax. And then goes on to talk about, well, these foreign powers are trying to persuade us via technologies and all this other stuff. Etc. Etc. You try to impeach a president based upon a lie, and here you have the current sitting president saying, "Well, that there's no evidence of a foreign power actually altering." This is why, even with what's going on right now with Mar-a-Lago, is you're going to have to prove it from the right and the left. If the left wants to prove it, if the FBI wants to prove Donald Trump had these things, then prove it. Simply prove it in court. If the right wants to sit here and say that President Joe Biden absolutely 100% signed this. Um, deal this raid. He was the one responsible for it. Again, you have there has to be evidence of it. And in going back to the 2020 election, the problem with it is you have to be able to prove it. The president here said this. He also said it in pretty much the same letter to um, Speaker Pelosi of saying the exact same thing of, hey, we're going to continue this on for a year to protect. What does this really mean? Just kind of being aware or being able to throw money around wherever they seem fit, um, vote by mail, et cetera, stuff like that. Uh, very problematic. Again, saying that there has been no evidence of foreign power altering the outcomes of the vote tabulation uh, in the United States election. Foreign powers have again, the same thing. Basically saying, hey, we think there's something nefarious going on with information to the American public, but there's no real evidence of proving this. So I just want to point that out, that the President of the United States has said that whatever the media and everybody's been saying for the past five, six years about the last president, about how 
you know, the last elections uh, in 2016 were stolen, et cetera, stuff like that. There's no evidence of that. And it again goes to the 2020. There's been no evidence of that. Un whether we agree or disagree, however we fall on that, that um, story. And then there's also the fact of what is he going to be able to do through this? Something we need to be watchful of and prayerful of in the coming midterms. Um, something to pray about and be fully aware of is out of Michigan. A judge on Wednesday, Judge Elizabeth Gleicher of Michigan's Court of Claims, declared the 1931 abortion law that banned nearly all abortions. She said it was unconstitutional because it supposedly will endanger the health and lives of women. They need to be... They need to be able to make decisions that's best for existing children and their families uh, and be able to determine what should happen to the child that's inside of them if it were to be harmful for their family. Like, the logic and the legal reasoning beyond the, on this is very, 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 very problematic. And then what's also interesting is after taking this case, uh, Gleicher dis then disclosed that she donates yearly to Planned Parenthood um, and also has represented Planned Parenthood as far back as 1990s and also has received Planned Parenthood Advocate Award. So she should have recused herself from this case, being that this is a, a hot topic for her. And also, she's an activist judge. That's the biggest problem in all of this. So she overturned this law after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. That was already on the books. Now, the caveat of this, and this is what we want to really pray for, is that the Michigan Supreme Court State Supreme Court is weighing whether to put a proposed amendment on the ballot for this fall that would enshrine um, abortion access in Michigan's constitution and really determine uh, whether or not the state wants to be able to allow or not allow um, and kind of the next step moving forward in what to do for abortions to where the state can then say, hey, yes, we want to outright ban abortion, we don't. And, and there's some disputes between some of the Republicans on the state board of canvassers saying that there are some problems in the bill. Um, so really praying for this golden court case here and making sure that number one, the amendment, um, gets put on the bill and then that people, if they get voted in or people, when they go to the midterm polls to vote, understand, how it's worded, understand what they should and should not do in order to stand for life in this situation. Okay, and then moving forward, we have the continued response from Senator, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who pretty much vowed yesterday that there will be a vote on the Senate floor um, for the Marriage Equality Act, saying that a vote on the Marriage Equality Act will, not maybe, will happen, that's very huge, um, on the Senate floor, will happen on the Senate floor in the coming weeks. And so the reason this is important is he wants to get Republicans on the books and, and get everybody on the books before the coming midterms to show the American public where they lie um, two things uh, uh, we want to deal with here is in the Senate, they need 60 votes. So they're going to have to be some people um, on the Republican side who supposedly say they, they stand for the Defense of Marriage Act um, and the, the natural uh, biblical definition of marriage uh, who possibly might turn on that. But then also is 
uh, Jared Eckert of the Heritage Foundation points out that if you go down this road, you you allow this to happen. What's to say if you allow states to then determine what marriage um, is defined as and, and accepting of every marriage um, within the state is what happens when a state decides that polygamy is now considered marriage and makes that legal? Then the slippery slope is okay. You go from poly, you go from gay marriage to polygamy to um, possibly uh, bestiality. What happens when pedophilia becomes um, legalized? The child wants, is convinced that he wants to marry he or she wants to marry um, a pedophile. Like this is the road we're going down. You break the bounds of what the Lord intended for marriage to be. Those five foundations that Thomas Rohan points about, and that is found in Genesis then what's to stop you from going to the next thing? It was gay marriage. Now it's it, it, it's mutilating children. And there's in Oregon and Washington, there's even some bestiality type stuff trying to get legalized. Pedophilia, same thing. It's already happening right before our very eyes when people say, oh no, this won't happen. And this the reason this is important is number one, we want to... Um, repent for our transgressions as a nation, as Daniel did in Daniel 9, um, in order to try to fe- redefine marriage here. And or- ultimately, we want to pluck up, replant, intercede for the leaders first to stand for biblical foundations that this nation was founded upon. And then we want to intercede for the voters ahead of the midterms to vote based upon biblical moral values and support those leaders who do not stand for this. And there will be a decision for people who are up for re-election to say, do I vote for this or do I not? And the big question in the long run will be is what house, where are they going to build their house? Are they going to build on sinking sand? Saying, well, I support all this, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want this stuff. Or... Or are they going to say, look, this is what the Lord says. Let's be obedient to him and stand for these foundations so that we can have a future. We can have a, we can have a nation. Which leads me into the final story, which this is a good thing, a very, very good thing. Um, and it's about time, is that uh, Congressman, House Minority Leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy is formally unveiling his plan uh, for what the Republicans will do. It's not just investigations, although that will be part of it, but he's calling it the commitment to America, which is eerie similar of um, Newt Gingrich's contract with America in 1994. And he's following the same timeline that Newt Gingrich did in, in, around that time, or releasing the plan about six weeks before. President Clinton's first midterm elections, which, again, that was why certain things got passed uh, after 1994 under the the Clinton administration. It really kept President Clinton in check. Um, And why, if you go back and actually look at the books, you're you're shocked. The uh, uh, Defense of Marriage Act and stuff like that, that actually got passed. Um, And there's a lot of good that came out of this type of thing from the Republicans to keep President Clinton in check. And then obviously he went kind of haywire on some things he did via executive order. But the plan itself um, that is called the Commitment to America 
will hinge upon four key talking points. And those talking points are um, an economy that is strong, a nation that is safer, a future that is free, a government that is accountable, uh, meaning that uh, the economy is strong, basically uh, focusing on inflation, dealing supposedly somehow dealing with the high gas prices, which they'll be fighting the Biden administration on that one, uh, supply chain issues of competition with China. These are good things. Again, he's going to have to fight the administration on this um, and then ultimately end the Build Back Better, eliminate wasteful government spending. Uh, that's a huge ask right there because the government, uh, President via executive order, will try to will fight him on this. Um, this is an uphill battle, but if anything, it's a thing to keep him in check um, on these issues. And then a nation that is safe, basically the sovereignty of his nation, focus on crime and immigration, uh, deal with securing the border. I read another report that talked about how um, going to deal with finishing rebuilding the wall and fight the drug crime dealing with fentanyl here. Uh, Title 42 remaining Mexico will be added in, are added into this. A uh, future that is free. Um, school choice is the big one on this one. Giving parents the bill of rights that they have to be able to make the decisions based upon children and the choice that they want to send their children, what school they want to send their children to. And going with a line of President Donald Trump of no parent should be forced to send their kid to a failing public government funded school and then the last one a government that is accountable the final section emphasizes the extent of the oversight efforts republicans are republicans are promising next year going after um ensuring safe and fair elections going after what they're you know what it's called a woke uh, doj um, attorney generals things of that nature the, this is where the investigations and things are, are happening again in reality if they were to do investigations, find something on anybody within the current administration president, they're just going to get the presidential pardon before the president leaves, unfortunately. Uh, but the reality is, is you want to have checks and balances in the place in this to prevent the administration like what Newt Gingrich did with President Clinton at the time. So this is very, very positive news and even more important of why it's important to pray for these new leaders who are about to be potentially be elected and put in office but then also for voters to realize and decide now now they'll have a plan especially for congressmen and women who are up for re-election what's the plan what are they saying are they saying they're going to do this and then when they get in office here's what you said are you willing to do this are you actually going to to get rid of the government corruption are you going to actually deal with the over um and above government spending etc that is unnecessary and part of these problems that exist today are because of both Republicans and Democrats alike. Again, we wouldn't have the stimulus package if it weren't for Mitch McConnell caving and giving in to President Biden um, earlier this year, going along with these stimulus packages to begin with. So whenever they sit here, Biden did all this, eh, he's about 95% um, compliant in most of this, but still it's Mitch McConnell who went along with it. So he... Again, he has skin in the game. He's responsible for it just as much as Biden is, unfortunately. But with that, I want to close out. Thank, thank you all for following along with me today. And, and, and let's remember, it's it's now that time of year as we're about to enter in this new Hebrew year, reflecting, reviewing where we're at, um, but specifically for us on our journey of restoring the covenant blessing, blessing of entering into the throne boldly. Uh, now's the time for us to take on our next assignment and the time to war in the battles the Lord has given us, to walk in that authority and that power, um, not striving, not, not 
doing things on our own, but where the Lord has graced us and given us mercy to walk it out. That could literally be just in your own lives. That could just be in your family, in your city, your state, even in just your job. It is just plant the seed, the small mustard seed of faith to know that the Lord is at work. And if not in our lifetime, in the next lifetime, as we stand firm on the foundations that he has, he has given us, that his kingdom will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So blessings, and thank you, Shinova, all for following along. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review, especially for those who listen to the podcast. It really helps us spread the news, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one.